And just touching on what Rima said, um, thank you to everybody who helped. Thank you to everybody who made last week what it was. Um, yeah, we couldn't put on things like that without all the people who do the jobs that you might think is not very important. But when we pool our talents and gifts, um, amazing things can happen. I mean, um, so who remembers when we did the At The Movie series last time? I was going to say last year, but with all the lockdowns and stuff, it, it was in what feels like 1995. Um, but it's a really fun series, and there's treats at the end, so make sure you stick around for all four weeks. Um, and I was just chatting with Michael and Kidzone about the movie we're doing today, and I won't tell you yet, because we're going to talk about the phrase that you may have heard before, for many are called, but few are chosen. I'm sure that you've heard that phrase thrown around in church. I mean, it kind of gives superhero vibes, like with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and I can, I can imagine an old uh, King T'Chaka on Black Panther just saying to his son as he died, T'Challa, many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> I can't do that right, but, but it's actually a saying from in the Bible, from Matthew chapter 22, if you didn't know that. And we'll have a look at that a bit later on. Uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking I was doing a superhero movie, but we're not. Um, but we are going to take a clip, take a look at a clip of what movie we are going to look at this morning. say that you save the best for last, we save the best for first. Because I'd be very surprised if any of you haven't seen The Lion King, and it's um, just one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, couldn't you just imagine Mufasa saying that at the end of that speech? Simba, many are called, but few are chosen. And I can't pull that up. It must be the African accent that makes it so epic. Um, but before we break that down a little bit, we're going to take a brief walk through the story of the Lion King. Simba was shown the kingdom that he would one day rule. He had a calling that he was set to grow into, and he was looking forward to it. You know the song, he just couldn't wait to be king. And, but at his young age, he, his character wasn't strong enough to carry his calling. And so he ends up being tricked by Scar and trapped in a stampede. Do you all know the story? And Mufasa sacrificed himself to save Simba. He dies for his son. But Simba believes that his father's death is his fault and he runs away. He leaves the kingdom and his calling because he's worried about what his mum and the rest of his pride might think. But then along come Timon and Pumbaa. They rescue him and they teach him the way of Hakuna Matata. Meanwhile, uh, his kingdom is being ruled and run into the ground by Scar. And then eventually Simba is reminded of his calling, and he returns to take his rightful place in the circle of life. You know, it's a really heartwarming story, right? And in the end, we love how it ends. We love when he does that big roar, and then we see the Pride Lands um, return to green. But as much 
is that's epic. I want to focus on today. Like, what happened in the middle? As much as we love Timon and Pumbaa, the middle section of the movie is actually where Simba lost sight of what his calling was. And he was wandering around in the desert, much like the Israelites wandered around in the wilderness for years and years, if you really think about it. As much as they were singing and dancing, he was in a metaphorical desert in terms of his calling as king. He'd completely abandoned what he was so excited about in the beginning, and he was taken into a life complete opposite of what a lion, the way that a lion should be living. Yet if it wasn't a kid's movie, I always wonder this, he probably wouldn't actually have lasted that long eating bugs or looked so fierce at the end of the movie, he probably would have looked more like Scar. So what I want to talk about today is what kept Simba from his calling for so long. And there are three things that I can see that Simba, um, that kept Simba from his calling. And perhaps you and I can relate to them as well. And they are contact, culture, and conflict. And so the first one, contact, meaning the people that Simba had around him, influencing him the most. And so we're going to take a look at a clip of what I believe is a really pivotal moment in Simba's life. So we'll just turn to the screens once again. crucial moment for Simba right there. And this is where everything changed for him. In the absence of his father and the rest of his pride, he'd been isolated and he was vulnerable and easily deceived by Scar. So the question then becomes, who have we got around us? The pride to me represents the church and fellow believers who will encourage us and point us in the right direction, who will push us towards the calling that we have on our lives. And the pride was where Simba needed to be, and the church is where we need to be. If we disengage or become isolated like Simba was, we leave ourselves open to the lies of the enemy. And that's what happened to Simba. He believed the lie that it was his fault that his dad had died. And so I've got a few questions. Who are your contacts? Who do you have around you? Who are your inner circle? Who do you have most influencing your life? Do they speak life and encouragement or do they criticise and pull you down? Are you engaging with the church or have you become a bit isolated? I mean, you're here today, so that speaks to you not being isolated, so well done. Are you engaging with church or have you become um, apathetic? Is there a lie that you've been believing that's caused you to run away from what God is calling you to? Is there something that's holding you back? 
When Simba was isolated, he then fell into depression. He was down in the dumps. He felt like he couldn't go back to his pride, but he had nowhere else to go. Um, then we're going to watch another clip of the next pivotal moment in Simba's story. You okay, kid? I guess so. You nearly died. I saved you. Well, what about help? A little. Thanks for your help. Hey, where you going? Nowhere. He looks blue. I say brown as you go. No, no, no. I mean he's depressed. Oh. Hey, what's he? Nothing. He's at the top of the food chain. Love them. Pumba's my favourite. <laughs> and we feel relieved when Simba is rescued by them and he's found a place to belong um, with Timon and Pumba. And they're really adorable and they're fun to be around um, and they're funny. And the no worries, no rules, no responsibilities. Life sounds great and comfortable to Simba. If there are no rules and no responsibilities, then he can't disappoint anyone. But as much as we love Timon and Pumba, they were actually holding Simba back from his purpose and his calling as king. It might be an unpopular opinion because we love them so much. But do you have people in your life who you love dearly but are a spiritual handbrake? If you really think about it, that might sound harsh, but do, you, do the people you are spending most of your time with push you forwards towards your calling or away from it? We need our contacts to be hot. Not hot as in good-looking, but honest, open, and transparent. If your contacts aren't sharpening you, like it says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If your friends aren't sharpening you, they could be making you blunt, and they could be stopping the effectiveness of your calling in God. And I'm not saying that you ditch them, but just assess how much contact you have with them. Sometimes we can outgrow our friendships, and we just need a bit of space or we need boundaries in place to keep us from floating along with their culture. And that's the second thing that we're going to talk about today, culture. Simba found friends as far from his calling as he could get. And again, as lovable as Timon and Pumba are, Simba was just following their culture. And that's the persuasive nature of culture. It's like one of those lazy rivers, if you've ever been on one of those. Um, there's one at Splash Planet, if you've been there. And you jump on an inflatable ring, and you're gently pulled into the current. 
and it's very chill. You just sit back and float along. Um, but they actually just go around in a loop and you don't go anywhere in particular. You just wind up back where you started. And that's what happened to Simba. He floated on the gentle current of Hakuna Matata and he spent years going around and around in circles. He made a whole new life in a foreign environment that deep down he knew wasn't part of his calling or the plan for his life. And if he was pursuing his calling instead of running away from it, he probably would never have met Timon and Pumbaa. He would never have been in the location that he was in and he wouldn't have made the friends that he had. He wouldn't have spent so long away from his calling. So where do you make friends? Where do you spend the majority of your time? Have you been pulled into the current of culture or following the crowd or listening to what society has to say? We're called to live in the world, but not of it. Amen? And we did a whole series recently on the countercultural nature of the kingdom. And that's how we're called to live. So we've covered contact and culture, and lastly, conflict. How'd Simba back? Because every good movie has to have an element of conflict. Without it, the story would be boring. And Simba was scared of conflict. He believed that he had caused Mufasa's death. He didn't want to face his mother or the rest of his pride who had just lost their king and they may have blamed him for it because he believed himself that he had caused his death. He was so afraid of their potential disappointment and anger that he completely abandoned his life. And he created a whole one new, a whole new life just to avoid that conflict of disappointing people. And sometimes we can do the same. We think that if we ignore or suppress our issues for long enough, they will go away. I personally hate conflict. I'm naturally a people pleaser, but I am slowly learning that very often it's counterproductive to avoid conflict. We actually need some conflict in our life. And in fact, um, it helps us to grow. It helps us to make the necessary um, course corrections to direct our path and to, to grow in who we are. Do you have a conflict in your life? Are you avoiding it? What conversation do you need to have that you're putting off? What boundaries do you need to put in place that you're avoiding? What difficult conversation are you scared of? You know, what issues are you suppressing that you need to deal with head on? And for me, the conflict was, and still is sometimes, anxiety and depression. I didn't want to believe that's what it was. I tragically lost a parent. Well, I was pregnant with Avery. I was trying to be a, a young mother to three children. I was overwhelmed. I was sleep deprived. I kept thinking that when I got a full night's sleep, I'd feel better. But that day came and I didn't feel better. I was trying to keep it together for my family and because of the leadership position I held. And I believed a lie that I wasn't good enough. This wasn't meant to be crying part. Um, I didn't even think that I was fit to be a leader, so I thought that other people wouldn't as well. And because I needed medication to help, because I was struggling so much inside. But that conflict eventually pushed me to go to the doctor, to get counselling, to start dealing with it head on, instead of ignoring it and hoping that it would go away. Sometimes we need conflict in our lives. Nala... She was someone who wasn't afraid of conflict. She boldly challenged Simba to take his rightful place as king. 
to separate himself from these new friends he'd found who she didn't understand and to rejoin the pride. And even though they were feeling the love tonight, she still had the conflict with him. She wasn't afraid to stand up to him and say, no, your rightful place is with the pride and in the kingdom. And she wasn't afraid to do that because she saw what Simba's responsibility was. And that was the conflict that Simba needed to step into the purpose that he had. He'd been given it from birth, but it had laid dormant for so long. So like the circle of life, we come back to the fact that many are called, but few are chosen. And this passage comes from Matthew 22, and quite an unlikely story, I feel. Jesus is telling a parable about a wedding feast where many people were invited, but they didn't turn up. And they were just going along with their merry lives. So the king invited other people who came, but didn't understand their responsibility of coming, so they didn't come prepared. They weren't dressed in the right attire. So they got kicked out. And this is the context in which many are called but few are chosen. It's actually about an invitation. Being called is an invitation. Being chosen requires accepting the invitation and then stepping into the responsibility of that. Simba just couldn't wait to be king when he was little because he didn't understand the responsibility that came with that title. He just thought that he could do whatever he liked. But it took courage for him to understand the responsibility and then to step into that as well. Many are called, many are invited into the calling, and that's an opportunity for everyone. It's available to everybody, but few take that. Few are chosen, and to be chosen, we actually have to choose. So we're going to watch one last clip about Simba choosing to step into his calling. How can I go back? I love Rafiki as well. 
But Simba needed reminding of not only who he was, but whose he was. He had lost sight of his own reflection, and he didn't realize that he'd forgotten who he was until he saw a glimpse of his father in the water. He remembered who he was, his lineage, his purpose, and the calling that was on his life. He saw his father in himself, and he was empowered to do what he needed to do to save his pride and his kingdom. Like the pride the lions, not his pride. Pride. Because being called is an invitation. Being chosen requires accepting the invitation and then shouldering the responsibility, knowing whose son or daughter you are, who we are. Do you need reminding of that today, maybe? Like we talked about in the last series, where we know who we, when we know who we are, we will know what to do. When Simba remembered who he was, he knew exactly what he had to do. He needed some pushing to get to that place, but once he knew, he took off. And when we understand who we are as children of God, it empowers us to step into our calling, like Simba did, to fight off the enemy and to take our rightful place in the kingdom. So in case you need reminding today, you are chosen. You were created with a purpose. You are loved and accepted. Your past doesn't disqualify you. You're an ambassador. You're a masterpiece no matter what size or shape or shade you are. You were created in God's image. You are an overcomer, like we talked about in the last series. You are salt and light. You have worth. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And your life means something. So why don't you stand with me and close your eyes. Many are called, that's an invitation, but few are chosen, few choose to take on the calling of God. What will you choose? Maybe you've been in the lazy river, floating along for too long, going through the motions, going around in circles perhaps. And just as we have our eyes closed, maybe you've been living the Hakuna Matata life and forgotten who you are. Maybe you've forgotten that you're a masterpiece, that you're an ambassador. Maybe you think your past has disqualified you from being a leader, being a servant of Christ. Maybe you think that you're not worthy. Maybe you think that your life doesn't mean anything. But it does. And just like Simba, we have to remember who we are. We have to remember that each and every one of us is a son and daughter of the Most High King. That each of us has been given a purpose and it's up to us to accept it and then to shoulder the responsibility of walking in that. So if you've been floating through life or you've given up, maybe you're stuck, like Simba was stuck in the desert, then all you have to do is to to choose to choose to take on the calling of God, to take on the responsibility that it is. But God's burden is easy. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. So when we take on that responsibility, we know that He is with us in that and that we're moving towards a purpose that takes us closer to Him. So maybe you want to step into that this morning. And if you do, I just want to ask you to put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray God this morning we thank you that we are your sons and daughters thank you that you have called us that we have a a purpose far beyond what we can even imagine and this morning God we choose to step into that God 
We choose to take on that responsibility, knowing that you're with us, knowing whose we are, remembering who we are in you. And so this morning, God, help us to have the courage to face the conflicts that may be ahead of us, to have the courage to face those head on, to not suppress things or suppress our issues and hope that they go away, but to face them holding your hand because you've always got us, God. And so this morning for the people who have got their hands on their hearts, that beating that's happening under their hands is a symbol that they've still got something ahead of them. They've still got a greater calling to step into. And so we step into that this morning, God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's it, guys. That was week one. Um, if you need prayer for anything, then you can stick around and ask a leader. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but as you go out, we would love you to stick around and there is a bag of popcorn um, waiting for you as you go out the door. So enjoy that. Make sure that you stick around for tea and coffee. The cafe is open. You can go and have a selfie at the wall and we'll see you next week for the next At The Movies.